This episode of Just Upstage of Downtown makes mention of sexual topics that may be sensitive in nature, including sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to a special extended episode of Just Upstage of Downtown, the Music Mountain Theater podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lavery. This Women's History Month, Just Upstage of Downtown caught up with members of the cast of three all-female productions in MMT's history, the 2018 adaptation of Jesus Christ Superstar, Steel Magnolias in the winter of 2019, and last fall's mounting of the Vagina Monologues. This recording brings together, in one room, well-known MMT names, including Kathy Alimo, Jenna Perilla Alvino, Lauren Brader, Rachel Fingles, Jill Jibalisco, Joan Hoffman, Libby Kane, Allie McMullen, Morgan Tarrant, and Lauren Waxman, with additional comments from Molly Chase and Aaron Looney. I am deeply grateful to all of these women for allowing me to facilitate an hour-long discussion that was honest, raw, laugh-out-loud funny, and emotionally personal. Everybody rise. I think it's a reasonable place to start to say we're recording this episode, or the bulk of it at least, on the evening of March 8th, International Women's Day. And in this setting... Sometimes, at least to me, the perception of community theater is, wow, the men here are very talented. Or perhaps, did they pluck someone's dad out of the audience to play this role? And it really does a disservice to all the wonderful work that women do and the talents that they have. And I think we're either gender neutralizing or turning away from enough productions like 12 Angry Men or Jurors or 1776 that we're now starting to truly tailor what was always a female leaning hobby or pursuit into something that actually actively celebrates women. Or I hope that's where we're going. And that kind of started in this building with the first show of the second season, the all-female Jesus Christ Superstar, in September of 2018. This was a concept that had kind of generated in New York with some very well-known names and made its way here. And those of you who are involved, I want you to tell me what you knew about it beforehand. Had you done more conventional versions of JCS before and, and what the production process was like? Especially, Jenna, you can talk to this, I think, maybe more than anybody, having to almost rewrite on the fly some of uh, the vocal arrangements. But <laughs> if we if we want to just table that for a second, Jill, can I start with, with you? Because you kind of... I don't know if you were on, uh, on as close to the ground floor of this as anybody else, maybe? Not really. I was very excited when I saw it was going to be all female. I had done Superstar probably about 12 to 15 different productions of it. Um, and for females, unless you're Mary, you know, you get to be maybe a Herod dancer or something. But, you know, I've always enjoyed watching uh, the the male actors sing and, and just seeing the show most of the time. <laughs> Uh, when I was in the production, if you were in the ensemble, you got to be in the back of the house for some reason. So I used to watch a lot of the show. Um, then you'd come up as like a crawling leper or something. But um, <laughs> so, but I, I, you know, I loved the music. I've loved it since seventh grade. So when I saw it was coming on the schedule, I was super excited. Um, Actually, sorry, Jenna, I was really rooting for Judas. Um, <laughs> I had been working on it. I was even sending, like, vocal riffs to my brother to be like, do you think, like, this is okay? Like, do you think it's enough? Um, and I can say the rehearsal process was pretty scary. We were all in front of each other, and we had to do, like, two or the three songs, yeah. the callbacks, and it was, it was really intimidating. But it was also really cool because you don't get to see that and to actually be there in the room and watch all of us go through a million emotions like panic and fear and stress and who's sitting in the corner like trying like with our eyes closed like trying to think of like I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna color it this way and I'm gonna do this and then to see everyone like get up there and perform and just like put their best out there in front of an intimidating bunch of female peers which doesn't happen often so you're automatically like oh my gosh I hope no one's judging me but everyone's thinking the same thing um it was a really scary but really cool experience and um I can say the same thing for the show I mean I was very scared when I got the email about being Jesus <laughs> but um <laughs> I knew I was with a good group of of women that we were all in this boat together and it was pretty awesome so we all rooted for each other yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And it was scary. I mean, I'm sure we'll all talk about it, but you couldn't change the original keys. So, I mean, you were singing. The thing about Superstar is the, it's very exciting in the male voice, you know. Judas is opening, you know, Jesus in the first number. You're like, oh, crap, like, we're in for a musical. <laughs> and in a girl voice, you either have to 
bring it up the octave or sing it where it's too low or like try to color it in between. And I'm sure all of us had to go through where we're going to place it to make it, you know, interesting to listen to and, you know, also singable for us. <laughs> I was, and again, this is kind of going way back in the, the memory machine, but I think that's what kind of impressed me most about uh, the choices that were made were on the low end. Libby, I think you made some choices on the, the low end, possibly. Brader, I think you I did. did. Yeah. I did, like, both. Like, yeah. Some of the yeah. things I sang, like, fully up an octave, yeah. and some of the things I sang lower. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's just um, mess around. <laughs> and and see, that's the kind of thing that that I love to get technical and and talk like that. But I guess not to say to put it in layman's terms, but just kind of anybody who wants to expand on on that. We all know we only have so much time when we do these shows to work on this thing or or that thing because we've got to learn it and put it up in two and a half weeks. So. Uh, Take me through some of your thought processes as far as being like, I, I, I've got to make my brain work in a different way, perhaps, than, than any other show that I've, I've done. Allie McMullen. I think even just from like music, like a music standpoint, usually yeah. the way our rehearsals go is you like start off with music mm-hmm. and they already say, okay, this voice part sit here, this voice part sit here. And for all of us, we were very interchangeable in our voice parts, but we still wanted to cover all of the voice parts and the ensemble things. So it was sort of deciding, okay, who's gonna sing what part and what octave are you going to sing it in? And are you going to continue singing in that part for the next song or where are you going to do it? So it's not too like treble heavy, but it's not too like, okay, we're all just singing in our chest voice the entire time and trying to balance that out. It was really an interesting, there was no roadmap starting, which there usually is. We were all from like the performance standpoint, but then also the production standpoint. I think everybody was sort of just figuring it out together, which was interesting. It was great to have like that much creative input, Mm. but it was definitely the most unique experience, especially with how short our rehearsal process is. Yeah. And when you talk about kind of the the production aspect of it, one thing that blew me away, and and when I saw it, I I loved it, and I think I saw it two or three times, but what blew me away were the individual performances and how those came together to tell the story. But I I think anybody who you talked to personally being in that cast, I think there probably was a, a little bit of the people who came to see the show may not have universally gotten it. Talk about that reaction a a little bit, because there's a difference between I really love all the performances here and I really get what is trying to be uh, accomplished. And, And was that difficult to kind of navigate, to kind of know almost going in, you know, this is a calculated risk. This is not something that gets done every day. And while... I might be putting my best foot forward out here. It's the beauty of of art, right? We all get to decide what is art, and some people will like it better than others. Morgan Tarrant. I feel like it was kind of crazy because some of us, like, you were... I feel like there's a lot of people in this room that were mainly just an apostle. But speaking from my own experience, I was an apostle, and I was part of the... The villain. The villain. (laughs) So that was cool because I played both sides of the coin, but then bring into talking about replacements and everything like the first couple days or first show I did my own track and then one person got sick so I filled in for her and then the next weekend somebody broke her foot so I filled in for her so then I was doing three people's tracks two different parts of the show and then somebody else was about to not come in and so I was about to then do my understudy track and then I remember by the final weekend there were points where I was like split into three different four different directions and it it was a very interesting experience because i have not gotten that since and we have all i feel like here understudied for someone (laughs) but going through and trying to figure out where you are emotionally and character wise in the show and trying to cover other people's tracks and make sure it looks together was definitely a very unique feat lauren waxman i think something that was really interesting about the show is that 
everybody understudied everybody else, as you were saying, mm -hmm. Morgan. And I think, like, when we all got to, like, practice our understudy roles in rehearsal, and that was really uh, fun and interesting. But going back to, like, if people got the show or if they didn't, I had a friend who I had actually never met in person, but we went to the same school and we went, we were, like, followed each other online. And she really wanted to see a production of all women, of something. And I said, hey, like, we're doing this Jesus Christ Superstar thing. You should come see it. And I think she came to see it three or four times because she loved it. She she got it, quote unquote. Um, she brought her mom. It was she she was just one of the examples that just loved it. Versus other people who I could I remember <clears throat> almost talking, being like, "Oh, did you see that person walk out?" Well, that's yeah. right. I mean, I think it was it was <clears throat> tricky because you already had people that heard, "Okay, all female superstars." So already you're divided. Either you're gonna love yeah. it or you're gonna hate it. Then you hear, "Oh, and it's gonna be modernized." Okay, then divide those again because people are gonna be like, "I only like the the original, and I don't like the Jesus modern. Christ Superstar." in general is a divisive show there yes. are some people Most who like definitely. so it's like all yeah. we're funneling it down three ways mm -hmm. so i feel like if you were in the show or you're coming to the show to see the show and you were paying attention then i feel like you would get it because the story's pretty plain it, I, I thought it fit really well into into where our director was putting it. it it was a little like yeah out there but i thought it worked but i feel like if you're already going in and you have like it's all female. Mm, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Mm, they're not wearing, like, you know, biblical garb. I don't know if I'm going to like this. Then I feel like those were the harder critics. But if you just kind of took everything that you know out of Superstar and just watched the show, it, I, thought, I thought it stood on its own. Aaron Looney played the role of King Herod in the production. A lot of people that normally come to my shows being, like, Susical and Music Man uh, said, I'm not going to go to this one. Just letting you know ahead of time. And a lot of people shared that experience because it was taking something religious and putting females to it. And that alone is extremely political. Um, and I, there were a few people that have seen me in other shows that had a big problem with that. Um, and uh, we shared and like there were a couple people who's more conservative parents did not go to that show. Um, we did get an overall positive experience from the people that did go. Um, a lot of people were like, so that was weird, right? I thought like the really cool thing was that like, first of all, it was, if you've ever seen Wild Wild Country on Netflix. Which we were told to watch. Yes. <laughs> and I had seen it before uh, before we did it. And as soon as I heard that we were going to be wearing like maroon and gold, I was like, oh my God, we're going to do Wild Wild Country. And that like, it, it's a, a modern day, or in that time, modern day cult. And I that is the perception. So I can see why somebody would be offended but i thought it was such a cool impact like on all of us as actors like to as judas i guess holds a gun instead of hanging myself or whatever how but and for jill to have been tased and so all of these modern things that people would go through if Jesus were to try to do this now, it really was very like i don't know it was a cool moment in time that i feel like you don't get at a community theater to like experiment like that honestly the big thing for us there were these um there were these screens behind us and at the beginning of every scene there were um like oh, iconoclasts that were being portrayed behind us and words we had no idea that this was part of the show so people were coming up to us after and saying oh i really loved the thing that was behind you and we were like what and finally, like in between weekend shows, we were like, hey, can you show us what everyone else sees? Because we have no idea what anyone's talking about. So we went through and we were like, oh, that makes so much sense. But it was very difficult because you had to be so raw and like feel those emotions, but then also preserve your voice and sing an Andrew Lloyd Webber piece yeah. for like two hours straight. It's like crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah and talk about. Aaron Looney's part and that was like uh, you know almost like a Trump takeoff yes. kind of you know that kind of thing and also um, throwing paper towels <laughs> I was a female president the president that we had at the time um, and there were 
lots of jabs and they were uh, down to my wardrobe and my haircut or well, my wig. Um, everything was very specific uh, and everything had reason behind it down to the framed picture of a shirtless Putin on a horse on my desk. Jill, you were talking about obviously other productions of the show. One of the parts that I thought was most challenging watching it, uh, watching it was Jen Fisher, who had to play the traditional female yeah. part, yeah. which had to have been incredibly difficult to navigate. Yeah. I mean, she even said, she, she said she felt out of place. She's like, you guys are all playing these like great roles. And here I am playing Mary. And it's like, no, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. but I think she, you know, she found it and it, yeah. and it, and it all worked. And like I said, we, we were, all were really just rooting for each other. We all were in the same boat. No one had done this before, you know, and Jen hadn't even played Mary before, you know, so she's in this new company, in this new experiment, you know, so. The TV production of Jesus Christ Superstar with John Legend came out right before we did that show. Um, and John Dwyer actually compared me to Alice Cooper in his review, which I never thought I'd be compared to Alice Cooper in my lifetime. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, he did say I was better than Alice Cooper. Uh, and so, I mean, there's that. Uh, but it was it was a funny comparison because, you know, in, in, like for Herod, it's it's either like a big body guy or however they do it. It's always this turned up version of whatever that person is. So it was it was definitely fun to be in that realm as a female because females don't usually get that. And it is kind of I really do think of it as, as a unicorn in all the shows that have have been here, because I'm sure not for lack of trying, but it just there hasn't been something since that's been attempted like this. I mean, well, I'll, I'll toss it around the room. Are there other shows that you think of and you say, oh, you know, doing this with all women or doing this show, you know, not really gender specific, would they work? Or, or was this kind of just like a, a kind of great thought experiment that is not easy to replicate? I feel like it, from a female standpoint, yeah. I don't know, I feel like I sit there and I'm like, oh, I'd love to gender bend that role. Yeah. But like, it's also hard sometimes. Like, of course you'd want to see it done, but then it doesn't always land. And as you said, it was kind of like a unicorn because like, as Jen and Jill said, like it could be applied and it has been applied over and over again. And I feel like that's also another point of the show is that they're not to knock Catholicism, but this is not the first time it's happened. And that's, yeah. I think the beauty of the show is to see that it can happen and it does happen. And like, as much as I'd want to see like, other great things happen like 1776 or like another one that's coming up assassins like but i feel like sometimes the gender does come into play because it comes from like where you come from as a person especially if it is historical so i feel like it's like a fun double-edged sword there yeah i think it also has to be like partially on the production part like a passion project too like it's you gotta like mm -hmm. see the people you gotta see the 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 shows that are available even to like license at that time where you'd be like, Ooh, that would be really cool. Like, I don't know. I feel like there are definitely, there have been a lot of shows that we've done here that I think have really broke the mold, yeah. especially being in Lambertville and being like, not in the heart. Like we are, we are in the, we are in the farmlands here. Like, I feel like, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I think we've done some really, really cool things. I think though, like it definitely, I, I think something will happen again. I could yeah. see it in the future. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of musical theater that is very, like, man-centric. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. in the professional theater world, they can always find all of mm -hmm. the men that they need yep. mm -hmm. to cast every show. And, you know, MMT is actually lucky in that they have a very good, like, cache of talented men that mm -hmm. they can, yeah. you know, call upon mm -hmm. for shows like Peter and the Starcatcher, where... You know, it doesn't yes. really come yeah. across if you have, you know, half of the cast as, like, women playing yeah. pirates and things like that. It, mm -hmm. it, 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 it makes it feel different, yeah. you know? You know, I would like to see, to do another all-female show, mostly because I just loved being with everyone. Sorry. And, you know, it's such going a through the, 
you know, the, the work that everyone did, you know, yeah. um, together. It was really awesome. Even if it was a show that had kind of the the reverse cast of Peter and the Starcatcher, that's why I was rooting. That would be that's, really cool. That's, wow. that's, well, not, not, not even that specifically, but like that's why in the Fishbowls last year, I was rooting for nine because I was like, give me yeah. Lewis and twenty yeah. great women. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know. yeah. I want them to do. <laughs> Joan Hoffman. I've talked about it a lot, yeah. but I think that it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Because of the whole Me Too thing, and yeah. I, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very di- some people I think will get bent out of shape about it. Yeah. But it's beautiful music. Yeah. And oh, of course. All, all the women be great. Or company. I mean, they just yeah. did that. Uh huh. Oh. Yeah. And yeah. it was brilliant. <laughs> it was so good. Kathy Alimo. It was so good. Like yeah. I, I love Company, and I've seen it a dozen times. And when I went to see it, I thought. How was it never done this way before? It just makes so much sense. Yeah. We have half, we have three out of the six here tonight from the cast of Steel Magnolias, which was another one that I loved. And kind of where I want to start with that one was it was a play first and then a movie. And the movie adds some of these male characters that are referenced in the play they are unseen and then you know in the film you always expand things because you need to stretch for time or whatever you need to do but you think back to the movie and those six women those lead characters they're all household names and they're so iconic each in in their own way doing that and knowing that it was just those six when you went into rehearsals for that show what did you know about the material, and was that kind of an, an intimidating experience to be like, people might compare this to this movie that had all these great women in it? Lauren Brader. That's what I appreciated about Superstar in the sense that it forced you to individualize the mm. role, right? Like, we really couldn't replicate the male version of whatever character. I couldn't replicate the male pilot. Yeah. So I had to reinvent it so that it became, you know, my own. Going into that show with those household names, you're like, oh my gosh, everyone has fallen in love with these characters already as portrayed by these incredible actresses. So to live up to that standard, but also, again, come at it from your own unique perspective was was an incredible challenge. Molly Chase appeared in the 2019 production of Steel Magnolias and directed and appeared in the 2022 production of The Vagina Monologues. For me, it is so hard to go in and say, drink your juice, Shelby. (laughs) And to say, I mean, Sally Field, she's whatever, untouchable. But she's also someone that I feel very connected to as an actor. Like, I'm drawn to all of the same type of roles. I'm drawn to women who tend to play on the crazy side, quote unquote. Um, I am drawn to the Blanche Dubois. I I live there easily. (laughs) I think you just have to figure out, like, hey, you know, that's that is something that comes... It's not such a challenge for me. That's where I think I I, I get to be that other self, you know, yeah. beautifully. And, and and she, boy, does she know how to find those rhythms so beautifully. But um, it's really hard to not say an iconic line. And it's so dramatic to not make it, to keep it very truthfully dramatic without it becoming like a line everyone's going to laugh at. You know what I mean? I mean, it was just hard or just to um, not to try to say it as her or to repeat it any certain way, let it just be truthful in the moment of that show. But I'll tell you, when you start to say those lines, they're so well-written that you forget. Like going in, I was very nervous to be Malin and play an iconic role and and have iconic quoted lines for my whole life, you know? Um, But then when you're in the scene and you've just lost your daughter and you're losing your your mind and trying to come to terms with it all of a sudden nothing seemed too big or too crazy or too out of the realm of how i would feel at that exact moment so i mean the lines are iconic because they're they make sense you know they're iconic because they're beautiful and um i don't know i i think in that sense uh we were able to let go of it but boy that was a it's hard to go in, you know, you can feel people already know what they, they already know who they're expecting to see on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to say, I'm not going to be that person. It really is a piece, I think, that, again, as, as I was kind of saying off the top, 
it's six women in the show, but it celebrates the bonds between women of different backgrounds and ages and experiences in in life and how they all I thought of it as is this great intricate web of how they operated as this collective that all knew each other but they all each one of them had their own story with the other five and again I, I think in this kind of condensed rehearsal process what I loved about that show was that all of you were able to establish that. Was that something that was really worked on during the the rehearsal process, or was was it just kind of one of those serendipitous, like, you know, as you kept running the show, it, it developed that way? I think part of it is that we all know each other. That's mm-hmm. what I was just going to say. And everybody worked on, well, I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I know they agree. <laughs> everybody worked on their own thing. I mean, I was never going to be Shirley MacLaine, but that's okay. I you might this, be in, in another life. <laughs> I could be. Yeah. But this outrageous character who was just, oh my God, she was just awful about something. <laughs> But the other people loved her, and they put up with her, and all of these people knew each other for so long, and they loved each other no matter what, no matter how obnoxious Weezer could be. And we all knew each other, and to me it was pretty easy to, to weave that together. I don't know about anybody else. The hardest part was just the amount of dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, the bonds yeah. were already there, and it was... It was fun, and it was fun. You know, I used to do Madison's hair every night, and then half the time, one of us would go up on our lines because we were playing around with the fake flowers in her hair, and we're like, oh, crap, we're doing a show. Um, <laughs> but I think that was definitely the easy part was just connecting because we were already connected. But, yeah, the dialogue was was the bear. And getting the phone. And the phone. <laughs> it's always props, right? It's always, always props. props. That's the beauty of a company, right? So we know each other in so many other different contexts and roles, and, yeah. you know, so we can play off of each other emotionally and and, you know, but also still as as friends. So that bond was, I think, already present when we stepped on stage. Malin um, was more of like a calming, straight character in that show. You know, we had the more character characters in that. And um, finding the rhythm with, with Shelby and I. And then obviously we're playing off of like um, Joan's character. And then you've got everybody popping in. The reason I think I love plays is it's so rhythmic anyway. To me, like... Yeah, you're not singing a song, but you are. You have to find the flow, the same way. You know what I mean? That show is is musical in its in itself. The way the scenes move and the way there's a build up to the scenes, and then there's not. You know, and the waves of the emotion and how much you're gonna let out and how much you're going to control. And that was a magical little a little play that we got to do with such great women in that cast. I think one of the shows that always gets, or it has a couple of times in the last couple of years, gotten turned down for this theater, uh, it's been restricted or something like that, is the female version of The Odd Couple. I know that's that's yeah, one that keeps so, oh, yeah. getting proposed for the schedule and stuff like that, but I think where that was supposed to go last year came the vagina monologues, which uh, I think was another, you know, really terrific example of what uh, the the women of this company can, can do. It's kind of the same question from Steel Magnolias in that you have all these different monologues. They're drawn from real experiences, but they are characters and you have to connect to them. But they are women of all different ages, experiences, everything like that. So talk about, you know, we were talking about the the words kind of being the bear for Steel Magnolias in a show where it's just you know, literally monologues is in the title. Discuss that a little bit. <laughs> it was a lot. Oh my, the first day just saying every every way that you could say vagina, we said it, right? That right. first day. Right, right. And um, as far as the the text is concerned, the, the monologue that I did was a, is a seven and a half minute monologue. Yeah. And man alive, I didn't think 
I didn't I didn't think I had it in me to learn those words. <laughs> <laughs> but we would all sit on the the set was really cool. It had all these beautiful uh like George O'Keefe-esque, like, uh... Yeah, one of my favorite sets that I've yeah. seen. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Vagina pedals. Yes, <laughs> and we got to, like, watch each other do every single monologue, and there were moments, like, sometimes we would be doing the ones where we would jump in, or we would just be moaning out there and whatever, and, like, you would just be in it, but when Kathy would do her monologue, I was just every single night, like... It didn't feel like that. It like you I was just with you that entire time. The audience was with you every single time. It felt like that to me. Oh <laughs> my god. Yeah, we were with was, you. The, the flood. Uh, which one? The flood. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Kathy, you actually just did another production I, of this. Yes. Um so I lived in northeastern Pennsylvania for twenty five years and did a lot of community theater there and a friend of mine up there was directing vagina monologues. And so she sent me this Facebook message saying, can you call me? I have a really strange theater question to ask you. And I'm like, okay. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm directing Vagina Monologues and, you know, I, I have my cast and they're great and, and I, you know, divvied up the monologues and they did it differently actually, um. where all of the longer monologues were cut and divided among different women. But she said, when I got to the flood, I, I, I was like, that just needs to be one voice. It was right around that time that you posted on Facebook that you were nominated for an award for doing that monologue. And I was like, I gotta ask Kathy. <laughs> and it was just the one weekend and she said, come to all the rehearsals, come to one rehearsal, come to no rehearsals. I don't care. Just if you can do it, I would love for you to do it. So I came, I went up for one rehearsal and I was literally one week off of finishing another production that I was involved Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. And I went and, and did it. And, and I got the same reaction to one of the women in the cast that, you know, um, she made a comment as we were talking about it afterwards that, um, you know, it, well, you know, that, that one wasn't really that long. I said, Tina, that was a seven and a half minute monologue. <laughs> and so, I mean, it, it just, it was a lot, but it was, it was such a fascinating story that had lived in so many different places that it was just a treat to be able to present. I had never seen vagina monologues. When I started, when they asked me to do it, it was the first time I felt like hesitant to say yes to directing something. Um, Laramie lived within me and Anne Frank did also, but I think I was judging vagina monologues for a while. I think I just thought I'd understand what I was seeing. I wasn't in the mood to like be like yelled at about anything. I don't know. There was something about it. That was my judgment going in. When I wanted to tackle it as a director, my goal was to make it feel as open of a conversation as we could because every production I watched and looked up, anything when I was doing research on it was very at you. And I felt like everyone is going to come in with the same judgment just based on the title alone. Their walls are going to be up. Like you're going to walk in with maybe some opinions. Not that you wouldn't be interested in seeing it, but you're going to have some hesitation coming in is what I assumed the audience would have. So then I thought my goal was to um, make it an environment where it wasn't just about women. It's it's also not just about women issues. It's about human issues. It's a, It really is. And when you open it up to, to seeing that, it hits more people's nerves and they come out not feeling like they were being lectured necessarily. Yeah. But... Um, maybe with just a little bit more understanding and a little more compassion for what the person next to you is going through. One of the things that I I don't think I had clarity on about that show was what came first, the the casting of the women in the show or the selection of what monologues they were going to do? 
Ooh, I, I remember. I don't really know. So mine, my monologue was assigned to me. I think that though some people who had auditioned had done the show. Yeah. So I know a couple of people that had just gone out might have done certain ones. But I know that uh, there were a few. We had lost a cast member in the beginning. So things had to get divided up. And one of the things, uh, some people took things alone. And I remember Molly had said, if you have one that you know really well, because it is mm -hmm. a lot, you, yeah. it's a lot of talking and it needs to come off conversational too, like this. It can't be like, we're doing a show about vaginas. It's gotta be like, you know, we're all uh, just having like a real conversation. And so um, that was really, it was difficult, but fun. But like doing my angry vagina split up that was awesome. And that is usually yeah. one monologue. Uh, but it was just like, like, I hate tampons. I hate that. Like, and it just like felt so relatable. Like as each woman would come in with the next yeah. one, it felt so good. I mean, and as an actor, um, I was nervous with this show. Um, I think one thing is we weren't playing characters at all. One of the monologues I was having a hard time with, and um, it was the Coochie Snorcher monologue. Yeah. And I was struggling feeling like I was doing it any kind of justice. And I even considered cutting it. I also had struggle with the idea that a much older woman and this teen were in a, a some type of relationship that she felt saved her, but that I was quick to judge as the age gap of yeah. maybe this is something we shouldn't even be doing. Right. And right. then I thought, you know what, Molly? Like, how lucky for you that that isn't your story. Yeah. But... These are real words from some, this is an interview. There's nothing created in this show. This was an experience. And for that girl who had been raped and had been violated, that woman did exactly what she needed to do to save her. She really did. And when I finally realized that, I thought there can be love and excitement of talking about this, the first softness she ever experienced, you know, versus the harshness she had been dealt up until that moment. And then I was able to do it with knowing they can feel how they want to feel about it. But at least I knew I could back up the way I was portraying her. I, I was wondering if there were times that you would read through it and you would say, oh, you know, this sounds like something I could hear in my voice or this doesn't. And I, I feel feel like I, I need to get myself there. I don't think that that really happened. Uh, you know, at least from my perspective and awareness, Molly kind of divvied things up. If it didn't work right, yeah. she adjusted. Mm -hmm. And there were things like the, the trans monologue mm -hmm. that she waited until toward the end to decide what to do with because she was hoping that there might be an actual trans woman in the community that could come in and do it. And there just wasn't. Lily's too young and, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, it, it just didn't work out. So in breaking it up, I, th I thought that it, it really, oh my gosh, it was such a strong moment mm -hmm. and powerful that we were all there together for each other. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I, I wanted to get into is I hesitate to use the word triggering because it's not quite where I'm going with it. But it's personal subject matter and, and material. And was it a challenge to, you know, perhaps for either of you or, or anybody else in, in the cast that you talk to who would share this you know were there things that paralleled your own lives that were more difficult to talk about than other things oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're looking at each other yeah. right now yeah the um, first, there, there yeah. were lots of rehearsal conversations yeah. That, oh, yeah. that you know i will keep private yeah because it isn't necessarily my life to share of course mm -hmm. um but it just brought us closer yeah, I mean, I, I'll be open that I've gone through assault in my life and a, a few different times. So going through my monologue the first few nights, 
could not do it without breaking down Kathy nose. And then I said, I was like, I do not want to not do this. I want to do this monologue. I want to keep doing it. So I would do it over and over. I would go into the dressing room. I would practice it over and over again. And then my angry vagina was the following monologue. And so tapping into that was, it, it actually was really kind of like, a cathartic experience to just say it to a bunch of strangers. It's kind of harder to not, or to say it to somebody privately almost than to just say it through this artistic experience. So by the end of it, I was like, all right, I got out of it. I did it. And then Lauren Donahoe would stand up and be like, my vagina is angry. And as soon as her voice just like cut through like that, I was like, like, boom, power's back. Like we are here. And like that support net, uh, and, and that was not just there. There were so many other stories within our cast that, like Kathy says, like it was kind of in our safe bubble, but kind of the first times many of us had talked about it. And even in the dressing room, yeah. it just provoked all of these amazing conversations. It's It, it reminds me of what on a previous episode, uh, Justin Derry had told me about Ain't Misbehaving when they do uh, the song Black and Blue and then they have to pick up into this upbeat finale and it, it needs a second to breathe. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I can only imagine you know, what, was, what was going through um, your head and, and everybody else in the cast. Well, and interestingly enough, the choice that was made here was to do the whole piece, 80 minutes, no intermission. Yeah. The production that I was in last weekend was broken up by an intermission between what was your monologue and Angry Vagina. Huh. And it it made sense and it didn't all at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, because there was so much power in Lauren coming through and saying, after, after, like, we're literally sitting there on stage in tears after her monologue. And then Lauren just proclaiming, my vagina is angry. And it's like yeah. assuming the power. Yeah. And the life just back in the room immediately. And, it's like the lights come on. And, and yeah, so it was, it's interesting choices. Can I say, like, in watching both of your monologues, because they were both, like, pretty traumatic, um, and I don't think that they changed anything with the lighting or anything, but in those moments, like, the really, like, hard moments in your monologues, I felt like the focus, you know, went, like, closer and closer to your face, and then, like, when the next thing would happen it was like oh and then like it kind of blew you back a little bit to where you're you know you're like but I don't know what I'm trying to say but I guess it it felt like you really like because you guys really felt what you were talking about it 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 drew the audience in individually to you like I forgot there were other people on stage so it like almost like scared me when like the next thing would happen and it'd come out of it yeah. And I feel like the same thing happened in the audience, too, because obviously I ran sound for the whole run. And the coolest part, besides watching it every night, was hearing the audience reactions. And you could feel them with you guys the whole time. And just people in the audience individually either laughing because they're uncomfortable or they're laughing because they're with you or crying for just the same reasons. Like, the energy in that whole theater was just just magnetic, Yeah, which is... It's, it's really interesting the way the choices that were made and, and the changes that have been made to that piece over the years. I saw it done not long after it was first released 27 years ago, 20, 25 years ago. And now granted, the woman who directed it then, that particular production, was very militant feminist. Mm-hmm. And so it was presented in a very militant feminist way. And I think that there were lots of different monologues. Like, I don't, the only one that I remember that was the same was because who can forget that one, right? (laughs) But even the presentation of that was militant. And I think that now the presentation is different because maybe we've learned better about Mm -hmm. communicating 
what's important and communicating needs and communicating thoughts and philosophies and rather than trying to force it at people to introduce it to people. So that's something that I really, I was really glad to participate. It was the only thing that I could, I was available for during that particular outing. And so, you know, I, I put down, okay, you know, I'm available for vagina monologues. Not sure if I really wanted to be cast <laughs> because of what I knew before. And I'm just so glad that I did it. And the relationships that, that we formed are unlike any other show that I've ever worked on. I'll tell you, with a cast like we had, which were women I could trust, one, it's a quick rehearsal process to grow and we're, to grow into your comfort level with that. Like I kept finding more and more joy because I went in with a, with a weight on it and I think I was able to slowly lift it up, but that happened throughout it. Like we kept saying, if only we had another week with a show or two, because look at where we got to. And that growth happened from like opening night, let before, you know, yeah. but also because we were doing monologues, you kind of had more freedom, you know, like I trusted that if Rachel was going to add in, I mean, and she added some hilarious orgasm choices at the end that weren't in the script and they were, so spot on and it was so funny um and true to her and um it's so in many ways everybody found like the only moments where we even where I wanted it to stay very true to the page and how we had choreographed the the numbers um was the scene there was there's the trans monologue but I broke it down as like to have all of us be a part of it because I wanted it to feel united and I wanted to make a statement with that number that number that um that monologue that we all join in and so we had the last line it had to be accurate because that's when someone would join in with them and we would become more and more as one um but with the with the exception of that it was really um a very freeing show it was kind of off what you normally would would say like please yeah. stick with us you know like you're messing up the scene well there weren't scenes really happening and i think it took a lot of us including me to really settle into the comfort of the show so we just could keep loosening up and loosening up as we went well rachel perfect timing <laughs> <laughs> jenna was saying something about having a different experience in the rehearsal room versus when you have a, a crowd and I remember um, talking to you after opening night and you saying something to the effect of that it was uh, the first time at the end of the show that you were able to let yourself go in a, in a certain way <laughs> to the extent that you did. And I'm sorry to bring you in on that immediately, but it, it seems germane to the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the great thing about the whole experience, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating anything, is is that the rehearsal space was really was really unique. It was really just like hanging out with friends and talking about things that we you don't know, talk about, um, mm -hmm. namely vaginas, for our listeners. Um, <laughs> uh, it's already been said. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> then I'm comfortable. <laughs> um, but really, you know, for me, it wasn't just about going on stage for the audience. It was about going on stage for the cast. And, you know, one thing that I had the great flexibility of doing in this show was, was improvising a lot and changing things. And it was really actually just as important to me to entertain my friends on stage as it was to entertain the audience. And that's a really different, unique kind of thing that, that we had the privilege of being able to do for each other and, and with each other. Mm -hmm. It was really an ensemble piece. There was never a moment where, yeah. even when it was our monologue, it was always about all of us and not yeah. one of us. Going in with her monologue, which can be very scary because you have to be very bold. Um, I had the plan to have the ensemble girls help her in the end of that monologue. Like it would be a chorus of orgasms of some sort. Like, so I kind of assumed we would all be popping in and helping each other. Yeah. Um, like that there would be certain th moments that other people would jump in, but then when everyone started working on it, it wasn't needed. It wasn't necessary. So then I thought, well, then I can get rid of that. Um, and we can just listen, you know, and yeah. be 
be an audience then. I was so disappointed at the Mountie nominations that our production was not nominated for Best Yes, ensemble. we have a group chat in the group chat. <laughs> I was so mad about that. I was so mad. Yeah. Like, yeah. I thought that Rachel was going to do her monologue. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently not. Libby, you know that's just a you thing now. <laughs> Poor Patrick is just turned bright red. I know. What did I sign myself up for? <laughs> uh, this was is, your idea. Is, is Lauren still around? Because I, I think I, I want to tie a bow on this by kind of shutting myself up and uh, go back to something that, that Libby had said that was kind of related to how I started off was that, you know, professional theater, they never have any shortage of men. You know, there will always be talented men in professional theater. Community theater, I think you find men when you can get them. As she said, MMT has been very lucky in, yeah, in, in that regard. The pool is deeper here, generally. Um, but I, I think there are so many talented women who... I, and, and I have conversations with people all the time at, at this theater about women who've been here for many, many years and have not, you know, not had a lead or not, uh, not perhaps done uh as as much as you know i would like to see when when i see a certain person on stage so i kind of want to open the floor to that as far as what can we all do better in this environment and and ones like it to elevate the the talents of women to emphasize that everybody's got something unique to offer and that um there really should be every opportunity taken to um, to to celebrate that. And I don't know who wants to start off with that, but I feel like I've rambled enough, and I kind of want to like have have an open discussion if if you're willing to indulge that. I think we do a good job here supporting each other. I there I don't think there is one or two people off the top of my head where I'm like, oh, they do not get along. And yeah, like just you get disappointed if you don't get a role, but. I feel like we're always happy for each other when somebody does succeed. Like, I don't, I've never heard someone be like, oh my God, like, I don't like this person because they got my part that I wanted. Like, I've never heard that from any woman that, like, I don't know, especially has been here a while. And I think that's just an important thing to note. I, I, I would like to step in here. Um, I, I feel there are a few of us that have been here from the beginning that it was always like, oh, so-and-so, so-and-so. And I feel like the thing we're forgetting, and I feel like we're getting a, a, a better grasp on really spreading everything around, but the thing that I think we need to remember underneath that is really the support and supporting each other. And everybody gets what they get to make them shine with what they have. And I feel like if everyone just remembers to come and support that, it's just going to lift up the women in this place so much more, you know, like, yeah, you could be mad that you didn't get a role or so and so got it. But guess what? Two shows from now, you might get the role that's going to be perfectly suited for you. Right. And I just feel like you can't. It's like everything you see on, on social media, like you can't make yourself better by putting other people down. And mm -hmm. I feel like as long as the support just keeps happening, I can tell by the people in this room and the people that are listening and everyone has their moments to shine when it's their moment. And when it's not, you just go and you clap and you support the crap out of them because you know how hard it is to be a woman in musical theater, mm -hmm. especially community theater. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons that so many of us come here is that, at least from my experience at other community theaters, that's not the way it works, that it is very competitive and everybody's like, well, this is my, my last community theater show before I make it big. So there's not that, I know, and there's not that like, support. And oh, honey. Because of that, like, there's no way that everyone, like, you're always going to get every lead role. Sure. And knowing that, yes, you might think that you are great for it, but if you even think about, like, professional theater, that person who was great for that role is going to be great for that role for their run and then they're going to get a replacement and that person is also going to be great. There are many, many people who are great for the same role. Mm -hmm. So even if you think that you are the best person, when you go and sit in the audience and watch who actually got cast, 
you're like, yes, they are they are so great at yeah. this. And like two roles from now, that's going to be something. And it's probably not going to be something that you ever thought that you would be in. So I think because of the environment that it is here, it's much more supportive and it's a lot more conducive to feeling like you're shining. Mm-hmm. Case in point, and I have to just... I'm playing a role right now that Livy played before. Mm-hmm. And when we got the cast list, my immediate response was, oh God, um, this is going to be so awkward. And <laughs> Libby couldn't have been more gracious, couldn't have been more supportive and excited for her friend. And she's helped me with the songs. I mean, you don't find that in a lot of places. You don't find that in a lot of people. But I find that that is not, that's the rule, not the exception here. And that's why my kids come here and my little girls come here and they have those experiences. And I remind them that you are perfect for this part at this moment. And in two weeks, you might not be. This is, this is all about hard work and luck and supporting each other. And those are the most important things. The truth of all of these shows have been so deep. I mean, like um, Steel Magnolias had such a beautiful truth to it. And, um, and Anne Frank, I mean, all, I mean, these shows, they're just, yeah. that everyone understands them whether they've learned lines or not. And then it's just a process of them getting comfortable being off book and, you know, um, knowing they can do the things that they're, they're given. But um, I have never once had a moment, even when I, I've walked in, they've been like, I've never done a play where I, where I ever thought, oh, this person shouldn't have played that part. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't have cast them because I wouldn't have known them half the time. You know what I mean? And so... It's always just lined up and worked out so beautifully, like it always kind of magically does here, where you're like, the show's not going to come together, and then the next day it's like perfect. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's trusting the process. They trust us to do things that, you know, um, are new and risky, and I just think this is the place to do it. It's comfortable and it's welcoming, and, um, and they hold you to a level of expectation in a good way, like... I don't help Sam put on his mic. I don't do anything for him because they expect those kids to learn that. I think the cool thing about MMT is that you get three or two weeks, I guess you get two weeks to do like stellar performances. And the reason why the shows are so good here is because the leads are in the ensemble and vice versa. Everybody is a giant support net. We are like a big. Well, I just think you and I just did Secret Garden, and yeah. like half this room was was in that musical. And I look around and I'm like, oh my god, look yeah. at all these insanely talented women who are doing this show. And it was just like it was it was mind blowing to walk into the room every every day and and do that show. It really was. I it really you know. And I feel like, yeah, it's special. It's yeah. special because everybody just wants to do their best. I think also everybody here, inclu- I feel this way about myself, but I feel like we all enjoy a challenge here. <laughs> and that's why we come to a place that has a two-week yeah. rehearsal process. <laughs> I think that immediately has, like, the same mindset of people, like, challenge accepted. Like, I'll never forget being uh, Jetsam in Little Mermaid <laughs> on those freaking Heelys. I almost had an expletive. And doing those Heelys was absolutely horrifying. And Caleb and I would be like practicing in the wings. I cried in the parking lot at work. And Jack, my husband, was uh, wheeling me down the parking lot in the Heelys. And finally, it was Wednesday of Tech Week and Lewis and Notes is like, you guys finally did it. And that feeling was just like, yes. And so I feel like that is why, like, just for all of us, I feel like we enjoyed the challenge and the experience and the bonding. Like you see with vagina monologues, all these other shows. So I think that's really cool. I think body wise, I think for women, if we want to see like where we're going to go next with women is like when I did American Idiot, I was shocked to be cast as what's her name. Mm-hmm. I was so shocked like seeing myself and being like I don't I don't know like I've never body wise not expecting that um and I did Princess Pamela in Head Over Heels and she is supposed to be a plus size woman and that was empowering that was awesome and but to have just a show where I just got cast in something that normally I've never seen anybody that looks like me do it so I think that if we keep going in that direction that would be very very cool and give a lot more opportunities a lot of times in musical theater, there's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of opportunities for women of different appearances. 
to be in different parts, whether that be the color of your skin or your size or your height or your just appearance in general. Whereas with these all-female casts, that kind of went out the window. I can also say that having spent the last two productions away from here at different community theaters, I'll be just so happy to come my next (laughs) (laughs) I think Jill said at one point, I remember you saying this, is that our rehearsal process and show process is so fast and furious that like it doesn't leave room for the people who are catty or petty. Like you're here because you want right. to be. They like, weed themselves right. out. That's I what it is. Yeah, they weed themselves out. And the other thing gone. too that Patrick was saying with the ensemble of Secret Garden, I feel like with shows here, you know, if you go to other, not, and we're not to like down other theaters, and that's not what we're talking about, but you know. I've worked professionally, I've worked community theater, and it's like when you're cast in an ensemble, it's like you've already kind of given up, I've seen people do. Mm -hmm. But it's different here because here it's like the ensembles will like rival the principals. We're gonna be like, no, we're gonna be, we're gonna like be right up there with you. And I think that's why it's so great that yes, you could be this great lead role and be like on stage the whole show. And then the next show be in the ensemble and bring the ensemble up and everybody is just like working together to be like oh yeah so we're not like a quote-unquote lead but like this ensemble is going to be like make the show like gentleman's guide you guys want yeah. the ensemble you know what i mean like or, or, or I feel head, like over the, heel, uh, head over heel or i feel the same way about the, this last <laughs> run a uh, couple of years ago of mystery of edwin drew which yes. like everybody in that cast was a heavy yes. hitter you don't yeah. it's not like you were like oh, ensemble and you already go to the first rehearsal and you're just like defeated right. like here yeah. it's like no the ensemble is just as good if not better than sometimes the principals yeah. like um, i have seen shows not here but i have seen shows where the ensemble was weak and it's astonishing how bad the show can be <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can be good but the ensemble is yeah. not good it's it's a no backbone. Yeah. Yeah. like i've had the opportunity to play some amazing roles here but I almost always tell people my favorite show I've ever been in was 42nd Street. And like literally I, all that happened, but the only like individual thing that happened for me was Joan told me to pick my knees up in the opening number, (laughs) Um, Joan's character. And, um, but just like being in time with the ensemble, like doing the tap numbers, doing all the crazy quick changes and the changing of the shoes because some things are tap and some things are jazz. It was nuts, and it was, like, the most fun I've ever had doing a show. And, like, I've played, like, roles that I've dreamed about my entire life here. And I still say (laughs) that that experience, being in the ensemble, was the best. Well, it reminds me of, and I don't know, Allie, if it was fun for you, but every performance of Crazy for You last summer, it seemed like (laughs) you were on a different track every night. (laughs) (laughs) That was the time where, like, I felt like... You know, I felt like I was like, I'm here. Yes. I'm here, Allie. I'm here. I was like, where's, no, where's Allie going to pop up tonight? the one time I forgot your costume change. No, but other than that, um, but you still did it, and you were amazing. But, <laughs> but it was great, and it it just goes back to, like, there's no way that I would have been able to do that and cover for people if they weren't so forthcoming about, okay, this is what I do. Because some people can be like, this is my track, and this is what I'm doing. And if you want to cover it, then you have to watch it because I'm not going to be here. And then you can just fill in the gaps. And everyone in the cast was so, like, forthcoming about what they did. I wore their actual costumes. And they were like, do you want to try it on early? So if there's anything that needs to change. And then when they weren't there, when I was filling in for other people or filling in for people who... I didn't expect to be filling in for. <laughs> Everyone else in the ensemble was yeah. like pushing me in the right direction. Mm-hmm. My favorite was Danielle. Just every time she's like, and that doesn't happen everywhere. Yeah. And I think that's, I. It's like the the theme. And if you've ever worked with a group of women before. Mm-hmm. It is not a given that in any scenario that a group of women is going to bond and support each other. Mm. It's so very um, very often that we get cattiness and gossip and cliques, even from high school up into adulthood. Mm-hmm. It is just by nature how so many like female groups operate, and that is not how it is here. And any time that that is introduced here, they do not last very long because we don't 
put up with it because you have to be so vulnerable to put on a good performance, especially in such a short rehearsal yeah. process, mm -hmm. that to be able to like bear yourself to an audience of strangers, you have to know that the people who are there with you on stage have your back. And if you think, oh, well, like Judy backstage is talking about, or she's laughing at me when she's hearing me over the monitor, then your next performance, you're not going to give that same thing. Yeah. Or when I go on in rehearsal and I am like going all out in this crazy, ridiculous like character and Sally over there is giggling and not giggling with me, but giggling about how ridiculous my performance is, the next time I'm not gonna do that. Right. And so because of the environment that has been fostered here, it's a unique experience with women, I would say. Different points in our lives, but like some of us were moms, some of us were like married, some of us had careers, but we were all having the same kind of female experience of being in a show that was pretty emotionally draining and being like the woman of our lives. Oh, so appropriately, we're in the women's side of the dressing yes. room. Yes. <laughs> we we've are. spent so many hours together. <laughs> oh my and God. And that's another thing, like you also have to be, you're getting essentially naked around people multiple times in a weekend. Mm -hmm. Like that's not something that most of us do in our regular lives. While chatting about what you ate for exactly. breakfast. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to know that you're gonna be comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. and being comfortable doing it over and over again and not having someone looking at you sideways in the mirror being like, oh. Yeah. Oh, she has exactly. love handles. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. There's all so our own worst no, critics. We don't need anybody. But there's so exactly. much that comes along with being a woman in musical theater or being a woman in theater in general and just being a woman in life. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, as a woman, you're always feeling compared, just uh, just as a woman in general. And then you add, like, you know, you got to dance and do all, and all, like, I mean, I'm never going to do 42nd Street or any of those kinds of shows. But I mean, like, never just in general, that. there's so much. <laughs> um, I have to be in the audience for that. It's the most stunning thing. The real, all the dance shows here. And then, like, you think, like, even just park and bark shows doing a two week rehearsal process and then you throw all that dance. But um, Allie does the cupcakes for everybody for their birthday. <laughs> She's like, I think of like the support net that like, you know, we all bring to each other outside of here too, which is, yeah. Yeah. Got a good thing. I have, I have my like some of my best friends are from here. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> like, it's more like family, honestly, yeah. especially because a mm -hmm. whole bunch of us have known each other for a very long time, and then even longer. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's a little, uh, a little like Steel Magnolias, mm -hmm. knowing what everybody has gone through in their personal lives, in the tragedies, good things, you know, marriages, divorces, babies. Nonverbal things that happen mm -hmm. that don't really have mm -hmm. to be said amongst like built in safety net. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Again, my thanks to Allie, Kathy, Aaron, Jenna, Jill, Joan, Lauren Brader, Lauren Waxman, Libby, Molly, Morgan, Rachel, and all the women who day in and day out make MMT what it is. I'm Patrick Lavery, and you've been listening to Just Upstage of Downtown, the Music Mountain Theater podcast. To be continued.